ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Proud to share this episode thanks to these fine companies I depend on in the field. Game Changer Calls. The GC was designed with all hunting callers in mind. Though elk is the intended target, the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well. It is not designed to replace your tube or open reads, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field. Burris Optics. Find what matters. Proudly made in the USA. Hoffman Boots. If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. The pack system for all your scenarios, initial ascent, expect more and never settle. Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand. And that's exactly what TAP delivers. Western Fly Covers. Ultralight element protection for your gear. Stay on your game. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com partners page. Look for the code Western Contours and save a few dollars off your order. So we're on with Mr. Dan Staten. Dan, what's happening, man? Mr. Elk Shape, Mr. Uh, Elk Collective. There's a there's a bunch of monikers there, man. Mr. Entrepreneur. How's it going, brother? Good, good. I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, stoked to talk to you and finally catch up. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm uh, like I said before we hit record, man. I'm excited for this. There's a lot of things that you talk about that resonate with me. Some of those things that resonate um, are because I'm working on them, right? It's it's that that quest for improvement type deal, and it's things you think about and maybe put off. But uh, you know, there's a lot of folks out there, and a lot of them swing, you know, different ways. But man, the way that you've approached your hunting and tied that into life and have really 
said, I'm making a change and I'm making a change because of this, man. I, I find it intriguing and, and phenomenal all at the same time. So excited to talk to you about it, man. Yeah, I like to talk, talk about anything about elk, anything <laughs> about personal development, anything about just taking advantage of this thing called life and squeezing all the juice out of it. That's right. Uh, is there a difference between elk and life? Because <laughs> <laughs> once you find it, man, you, you fall in that rabbit hole and uh, it's hard to separate it. You know, it, it kind of, at least for me, right. It's been, I'm, I'm early in my elk career and, uh, it's been hard for me to pull away and look at anything else with, you know, with much significance outside of family and, uh, making sure they're okay. Oh, I know. My wife would tell you the same. <laughs> she's, uh, she's been a student of Dan Staten for 12 years and she knows <laughs> like, I don't care about a lot of things and I always try to convince her that's a good thing. Like I'm a simple guy right. and I will always keep things not complicated for you. Um, so yeah, no elk is elk super special, man. And yeah, I, I love talking about it. So fire away a little bit, man, for the folks that may not know who you are, give us a little background, uh, uh intro, if you will. Okay. Um, yeah. Intro intro. Uh, so I am uh, living here in the inland northwest, like eastern, eastern Washington. I can darn near touch north Idaho. Um, I lived here my whole life, born and raised. Grew up in a hunting family, uh, like many of us. Didn't really pursue hunting the way I do now until I was in my early 20s, just because of ball sports and, you know, junior high, high school sports. But, um, yeah, I started hunting pretty much age six and seven grouse hunting got my hunter safety age 10 killed my first good buck when i was probably 12 then put it on ice until i was like 19 so just took it off to do sports picked it back up and then the i've talked about this story many many platforms but i think the the short end of it is is i stumbled into elk hunting with the rifle killed a bull within 20 minutes of my first elk hunt and tried to figure out from there how do I kill these things when they're bugling and found out really quick that that involved archery. So literally just burned down the ships and bought a bow, taught myself everything wrong and started elk hunting right then and there. Um, and I, that just has been a 19 year journey that I hope never ends until the day I die. And I don't know it all. And I'm always learning. And I love that about elk hunting besides hunting, I'm just a normal guy, probably ordinary guy with an extraordinary passion for hard work. Mm -hmm. So married for 11 years, two kids, uh, worked for myself, have since I was, gosh, 26 when I opened my first gym. And currently my day job is um, Elk Shape. I do Elk Shape and I have another business called the Elk Collective. And by day job, I mean, I'm always working. Uh, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that there's always something you can be doing and so i'm doing that and uh live to elk hunt out west every season i can and work year round to do that to my best of my ability so that actually is a good segue into one of the first bullets i sent you and i don't really hold to the bullets but you've put everything into it right and why why is it worth all your effort yeah 
Yeah. Um, delayed gratification is a thing that I've believed in. And I've learned about delayed gratification uh, when I was about 13 going on 14, weighing 100 pounds. A mentor of mine showed me the ropes in the weight room and he changed my diet completely. And uh, it was like a summer between, it was like the summer between seventh and eighth grade, which is a little foggy, I'm almost 40. But what I do remember is that I wanted to get jacked. I wanted muscles. I wanted to be able to hit anyone as hard as I could in football. I wanted to wrestle at a heavier weight class. I wanted to just look jacked. And my parents were building a house and they were actually renting out. This guy had a giant basement. They were renting out this basement. But in his basement was this super dope weight set. And I think he caught me like farting around on there trying to do some weight stuff. And he was just like, probably, look, kid, you're going to hurt yourself. Let me show you how to do this the right way if you're serious. And that summer, he packed on like 25 pounds on me, man. Like I, I rolled into eighth grade with my chin up. I was like, and I love the attention and I love like the confidence and all that summer's hard work paid off. Fast forward to elk hunting and I sucked at elk hunting when I started. Like first year with a bow, I should have killed several elk, couldn't get it done, didn't know what I was doing. And it took several seasons stacked together where I just got my teeth kicked in by elk hunting on public land. Whether it be I didn't know how to navigate the terrain or I didn't know how to read the wind in certain areas, the mountain thermals were just throwing me off. I didn't know how to make vocalizations. I didn't know what the vocalizations meant. Or if I just got lucky and got in tight, I would screw it up. I'd get, I'd get caught drawing too early or drawing too late or I'd miss. And so every year I wasn't successful, I would get even more psycho about how can I get better at elk hunting. And I can't tell you, there's not an elk I've killed that's more sweeter than my first one with the bow in 2000, it was 2006, I shot a bull and it was a nice 300 inch type bull, first one. And I can't describe I almost, I felt like crying at the time because I just had worked so hard for so many years to try to do this one thing I set out to do and finally did it. And that feeling was like a drug. I was like, I love this. Uh, there's some benefits to, you know, spending time with my dad elk hunting and st stacking a lot of meat in the freezer. But like this animal is really hard to kill. And I love all the work I did going into this and there's still a lot of room on the table for me to improve so back to the lab let's work hard for the next year and so i've just been in that sort of mindset ever since and uh so it boils down to delayed gratification if that makes sense absolutely so i guess to explain delayed gratification right i almost feel like that that is uh an anomaly in society today right um but but in that delay we're affecting long-term change and more meaningful outcomes or results um and and not just in the area that we're placing effort but we notice that over our entire life in my opinion, right? In relationship at work, um, it sets you up for a, a, a better work ethic. Um, when you start looking at it, is that where, that's where the trigger was when you realized that, Hey, this is a thing. 
absolutely. I, I personally want things in life that don't come easy because they last. And usually things that don't last come easy. And so for me, that's the beauty of elk hunting. Uh, it's a very humbling pursuit. It keeps, you know, it's 2021 and the slates quite clean. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I haven't killed an elk, y'all, in 2021. I'm, I'm on fire to do it. And I've done it before, probably a lot, but it doesn't matter. That's all in the past. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, working towards something like elk hunting and having the slate wipe clean every year. I love it, man. I feel like I'm super blessed to call myself an elk hunter because a lot of people just don't have something like that. They jump out of bed every day for excited for and it. And I yeah. do. Um, and you're right. You know, like I have two little ones right now, six and four. And I just, oh man, my biggest fear is like, uh, as a father is that I don't, set the precedent for them that faith comes first family comes second hard work comes third mm -hmm. and there's no easy ways and if there is we don't want it and so that hopefully i can figure out the blueprint to teach them that but that's what my family taught me yeah then you already have the blueprint man and, and my kids are nearly well my daughter's out of the house but my boy is uh, nearly out of the house 19 and 23 and uh there is, there is no, there is no easy way to do that. Right. You just have to, you just have to keep grinding on them and show them the value in it. Um, and I, I can't imagine, you know, just watching you via social and whatnot, that, that they're not that exposure, right. You're leading by example is really what's going to hit that home. Oh, for sure. So how do you, I mean, you've killed a lot of bulls, man. And, and you've killed some nice bulls. Uh, how do you level up? Right. So, you know, you, you're back to the drawing board, so to speak. Is there a level up? Are you setting the standard in inches or are you, you know, saying that this bull has to be, you know, here or there? How do you level up your game from from season to season um, in that pursuit if you're grinding, you know, 24 seven, essentially? I think everyone's journey is different, you know, guy, like, so for me, mine's different. I, I have this weird thing where like, if I have a tag in hand and I'm hunting, I want to notch it. And so I realized a long time ago, the size of a bull really isn't like the deal breaker for me. Um, I just want consistent success and I just don't want to ever run out of elk meat, quite honestly. Like, <laughs> so a couple of times uh, early on in my marriage, I started messing around with a little bit of trophy hunting. And I, I don't remember the last time I, I didn't kill an elk in a season. It probably was, it probably was 2005, to be honest with you. Now I think about it, but uh, there was a season where I, I was kind of messing around and like holding out for this herd bull. And my, I came home on a break and my wife was like, kind of just slapped me around and says, listen, you better kill an elk and quit passing on some elk. Like, I don't, I, I'm not impressed. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Like, you know, we want you to kill an elk because that's actually all we care about is that you're having fun and staying safe and bringing home the bacon. Right. So, um, that was good for me to hear that. My wife is like my best friend. And I was like, you know what? She's right. And so I went out and killed a bull the next day. And I just remember from that point going forward, yes, I pass on some elk for sure, especially like, how much time I have for a certain tag and, and, and how's it going? Um, the vibe I'm getting, 
like this year, for example, I was in Idaho and I think I passed a bull on August or September 1st. We had a bull that we filmed for our YouTube series and we called in pretty raggy bull, but um, definitely a bull I, you know, I, I've shot like that in many other places. I just didn't want to shoot it that day. And I don't know why. I just, it was just day three of uh, a 30 day bender of elk hunting and I just didn't feel compelled to shoot that bull. Fast forward. To September 12th, and I was darn near ready to kill any anything. Legal bull <laughs> because we were going to Wyoming, and I didn't really want to strike out in Idaho. I wanted to like head to Wyoming with one on the ground and kind of like that. Ah, the pressure off. I got a bull down. We got elk meat. You know what I mean? Right. So it's a hard one to answer, but for me, I'm chasing adventure. Uh, I'm chasing new landscapes. I want to learn as many new areas of elk hunting as possible uh, i want to have as many encounters i want to hear as many bugles as possible so i don't know i mean I, am i a guy who's ever going to kill a bull over 350 maybe if i drew a really really good tag but um a lot of my over-the-counter stuff like i don't know i'm just not on that level to 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 commit to set amount of inches and there's some hunts i go on where i'm like okay i can shoot a 300 inch bull here or bust and that's still like not setting the bar very high for certain packs but at the end of the day i'm out there to get elk meat deep in don't get it twisted right you know any and you say trophy hunting um and that's a weird like in my head in, in this day and age it's kind of a weird thing because I, I look at it as you know, if I want to, a guy wants to go out and shoot a 200 inch mule deer, right? It, it, it's, that is almost a level up, right? It, it, it's okay with setting a standard for yourself and going after that standard. But at the same time, like you're saying, you got to know kind of that breaking point, right? Um, you know, day 12 out of that 30 and, and you're going, oh man, I should have, you know, maybe I should have plugged, plugged that bull. I did that last year and it literally took me, it took me two months to be okay with not notching that tag. And I passed on a couple rags, um, blew it on a nice six and, uh, had, you know, had a couple more opportunities and at the, in the moment I was okay with walking away from it and man, it, it didn't settle really settle with me until like mid November. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good at this point. And it was just, you know, sticking to the standard that I set for myself, which is probably foolish as, as green as I am and in the elk woods. Um, but my, my first bull, um, was what 2018 in Wyoming and that that's kind of the standard for me is a, a freaking really nice five. And that's, you know, that's what I envision um, coming in with that bull. Um, shot him day and a half later, found him. Somebody, somebody found him before I did. Long story short. Um, so I didn't get to bring him home. I didn't even get to touch his antlers, but. It's uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with a guy setting a standard, um, you know, and, and, you know, air quote trophy hunting, if you will. Um, yeah, I, I don't so see. They didn't, uh, they didn't give you your bull to you. Like they, did they like shoot it again? Was it wounded or like, did they no. just like, did you not ever talk to them? Never, never saw him in uh, two sets of horse prints on a trail that, uh, was bordering some private, uh, right next to where he 
took his final breath and uh yeah by the time you know we had to set up on another ridge saw some magpies coming out walked over and there it was you know verified <laughs> verified my my head and broken arrow and yeah gone uh sucks, man. yeah it was uh that was, I, I don't know. It was a good learning lesson for me, right? It was a good shot. It wasn't the best shot, um, but it really caused me to dial in on my accuracy and um, really focus in, right? It was a little high um, and that's a big, tough SOB. Great blood when that blood decided it was just going to drip and then dry out. You know, the hunt was on, so to speak. But it was a good learning lesson, a little hard to think that a guy that is out there and knows what goes into it for, you know, dudes hunting. I don't care if it's public land. I mean, even if it's on private, what goes into that in terms of finance and sacrifice and, you know, time away from family and work. And uh, that was the biggest lesson for me, man. It was an eye opener because I hold, you know, the hunters, hunters and the hunting community pretty high. But there are uh, anomalies, I guess, everywhere we look. Oh, for sure there is. There's an episode we filmed this year in Idaho, opening day, and we basically did like a little bit of day-by-day um, day type series this year on YouTube. I didn't want to. I told my I have a producer for the channel. I was like, I don't really want to do a day-by-day. Day. It's pretty boring if you follow somebody hunting out day-by-day. Day. Like we're going to people are just used to instant gratification mm -hmm. and they don't, you know, they want to see a highlight reel. Uh, that's usually what people want to consume on YouTube, but his name's Tim Connor. He's my producer. He's like, no bro, we're doing it. And so we kind of split the duties. I did all the rough editing. He did all the final edits. Uh, we had a cameraman, Jake, he's a stud, but man, like, we almost didn't publish that opening day video because we saw some stuff that we just kind of at first were shocked or appalled. And then we were like angry. And then we like wanted to figure out what to do next. And we didn't, but, but for those wondering, like we basically were in a spot in Idaho where we, there was a, a big chunk of alfalfa in the middle of this desert next to mountains and elk were coming on this, this, this piece of ground. And I think anybody would be like, yeah, I, if I'm an elk living in the mountains and kind of a drier climate and there's this beautiful irrigated alfalfa field, dude, guy, let's go down there and eat tonight. We'll just peace out in the morning, head up the mountain. Mm -hmm. So there was just a pile of elk heading in there. And this particular ground was access. Yes. In Idaho, which means all you got to do is fill your name out in the box, drop it in the box. And you can hunt the alfalfa if you want to. Um, so we had done some scouting, probably three or four trips in that area. And we actually had this herd pattern um, and they weren't really eating in the alfalfa during daylight. They were already piecing out um, by the time it was light. And then they would head over and bed in the same area uh, predictably. And so we were basically just set up opening day uh, in transition. We we're just going to kill these elk on transition. We had kind of littered trail cameras, spread them out. Um, just your regular old standard, standard, you know, stealth cams, nothing, no cell phones or trail cams and went and checked them. And we're like, Holy smokes, there's a hundred head. And there's like 26, 27 different bulls coming in here. Let's just set up in transition, get the wind right. And we'll get one. And then we watched, um, 
we have to watch the video for me to, to, to really understand it. But we basically watched about 13 guys work together as a unit using ground blinds, cell phones, and vehicles to push the elk oh. out of the alfalfa field, you know, or actually to keep them in the field before it got shooting light. And then once it was shooting light, they had them penned and they tried to like kind of trap them like fish in a barrel and force them to exit where their ground blinds were set up. And they even like used vehicles, jumped out of vehicles, ran at the elk. And we filmed the whole thing, guy, and we're like, man, I was like, man, Tim, I don't know if I want to publish this. This is doesn't show these guys aren't hunters in my book. Right. Um, they are doing things unethical, but they're also doing things that are illegal. And there's there's a difference between ethical and illegal. I don't want to get into an argument on that, but but the bottom line is is you can't use vehicles to hunt uh, hunt uh, elk in Idaho, and you can't use vehicles to manipulate. It's just like wildlife harassment. So we filmed the whole thing, and before we published, I called Fish and Game probably a month prior, and just was like, "Yo, can I talk to a higher up?" Of course, they wanted to know why, and I was like, "Yeah." So anyways, long story short, is I got to a higher up and I was like, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to publish. Wanted to kind of give you, you know, first ride refusal. Got their license plate numbers. Not going to put it on the video. But if you guys want to like watch this video before we publish it, get a head start. The guy's like, yeah, cool. We'll have, um, I'll have my guy who controls that area call you. Never did. Never got a oh. call. So we just published it. And then the comments are insane. Like I thought people were going to chastise us for painting hunters in a bad light, but they were like, you know what? It's good to hold each other accountable. Absolutely. And that people can see that recognize that this is not hunting. This does not represent us hunters. This is not a, this is not what we are about. And so, yeah, man, I, I always go back to, you can't control other people. You can control your attitude and your effort. And that is it. And that's kind of one of my main mantras when I'm elk hunting is that. And that kind of helps us get through some of the ups and downs of the roller coaster called public land elk hunting. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say, I don't know. I don't know how you remain composed in a situation like that. I mean, there's weapons involved. Um, So that, you know, it's kind of a silly statement, but I I almost would have been inclined to approach the situation foolishly or not i just we don't need it right we we don't need that um especially with the heat that we take from everywhere else i mean not that you know outside folks were seeing it but like you said we got to hold ourselves each other accountable with that that's uh yeah for sure that's nuts i I think most states it's illegal as hell to drive deer elk or anything uh, in in almost any type of manner, I know here in the beautiful yeah. state of California, they don't even want you. You can't deer drive, period, at all, foot and or otherwise. Yep. It's yeah, nuts. no, it was, it was a bad deal, man. And I, I really, we did do our due diligence. Like we did go get pictures of their plates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in the event that you know F and G would want to pursue it. 
but maybe maybe they were already on it. And then my my hope is just that the guys that were on video maybe saw it and looked, watched it, and said, "Wow, I look like an asshole." Right. I need to Some stop reflection. Doing that. I, I I hope, but you never know. Yeah, I you know I've I say it and I've said it about my Wyoming bull. Dudes lose their shit when it comes to antlers and backstrap, man. Um, you know, unfortunately, shit goes out the window. And and even with the best intent and the you know the look that they may have on hunting, it's like, man, you gotta you gotta settle that shit back. Was that yeah? So out of curiosity, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Was that was that uh, residents doing that, or was that like out of state guys? I mean, because there's a whole that's a whole fucking topic in itself if you're talking you know how non-residents are affecting you know uh uh, public land resident hunting and the fact that a lot of times guys get their you know vehicles trashed or residents not being so welcoming but it's it's actions like that if that's a non non non-resident group of guys yeah uh, i remember and I, by the way, I'm not a resident of Idaho. A lot of people think I am because I have a house in Idaho, a cabin, my dad. But I, I've, I'm in Washington, so I buy non-resident stuff in Idaho. Idaho is like my favorite state of all time. But uh, no, man, it was majority out-of-state plates in Utah. And um, actually, one of the plates was – so somebody was a resident with this group. And uh, yeah, man, it's just – either way, like – you know, especially as a non-resident, you really are, it's a privilege. Uh, yes, sir. Not a right to go hunt other states. And I I like to tread pretty delicately. Like, I don't get mad at Idaho residents when they, like, they call Washington people apple maggots. Uh, <laughs> and they don't like seeing Washington plates. I get that. I do. Try having um, a California plate. <laughs> no way. Absolutely not. That, that one's the worst out of them all, right? Oh, bro. I When we go, any, we go anywhere and we're in the woods, man. I'll, I back up. I, my front plate is off and I'll back up. So you can't see my rear plate. The front plate comes off though. You know, it's like, I'll give you one. I would keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I would keep doing that. Oh, yeah, no, you guys are definitely hated more than the Washington plates. Like, but here's, here's the bottom line in my, and, and I have to hold myself to this because it's super easy to get caught up in like public land wars. And this is my spot and stay out and like, look, I figured this out a while ago. Like all of us hunters got to stick together, man. man. Like, even you shoot elk with a rifle at a thousand yards. Hey, you got a tag. You're doing your, that's cool. You're a hunter. Mm-hmm. If you shoot him with a recurve, you're cool. You're a hunter, man, or a muzzleloader. I don't care what weapon, as long as you're doing it legal, as long as you're buying a tag and you're supporting conservation and you're doing things legal, ethical, Man, I got mad respect for you and just keep shining hunting in a public light. And just remember, social media is now a public spotlight. Um, and so just, you know, be intentional, tread a little lighter than maybe in the beginning. Like, yeah. it's definitely, it got a little Western there when, you know, some of these platforms got out early and some of this content was, you know, it doesn't quite put hunting in the best light. And now I'm super conscious of that and try my best not to be soft and like 
not show that I'm killing animals and taking their life and feeding my family, but just to paint a positive light around it. Mm-hmm. It just takes a couple extra steps. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, a lot of it is, is there's a human element to it. And, and for me, that's the beauty in what we do, right? I mean, the work that goes into it, highlight that. And I think some of the attitude towards social, you know, because we're under attack and, and we're, we are, we are choosing to be on these platforms that lean opposite direction of most of our mindsets, right? We are choosing to be there. So with that choice, you're, you got to curtail it. You can't, it's not like you got a a Polaroid or a a three by five that you printed at, at Walmart back in the day that you're showing, you know, folks in town or a handful of buddies. I mean, this is exposure to potentially millions of people and they eat every bit of it up. I don't care how respectful it is, what the caption says. If we don't show it in the best light, it's fuel for their fire. We, we have to realize it when we choose to be on these platforms. Yeah. And it's like really interesting times where these platforms can decide yeah. if you Uh-oh. get to be a part of them or not, which <laughs> kind of goes against everything we as I thought we as Americans believed in right. was like, you know, hey, I don't agree with you guys, but I, I still want to, you know, be able to see your thoughts, your opinion. Mm. And likewise, you know, I want you to be able to see what I'm thinking and we can respectfully disagree. We can even argue and call each other bad names, but yeah. it's, you know, I don't know. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but yeah, man. <laughs> I love, Dude, I love that rabbit hole because it, it, it's, it's so... I don't want to say relevant, right? But it is right now. And I think that the more people that are talking about stuff like that, hopefully that message starts to spread that it's okay to disagree on something. You know, I mean, it, it just, it's unbelievable to me. Yeah. And I think hunters, it's okay to disagree. Like, Hey, I think fixed broadheads are the only way to shoot an elk. And someone's going to be like, no, man, I shoot them with expandables, mechanicals. And we can argue, but mm-hmm. I got love for you. You're a hunter That's it. and I'm a hunter. And I love hunting and let's, let's find what, you know, our common ground first. And then we can kind of build a bridge between where we see things differently. And even if a bridge never gets completely built, I still got respect for you and you respect me. Uh, that's super cool. Yeah. Hell you know, yes. I think where people forget, and it's just kind of where we're at now is that I can type whatever I want on my keyboard or my phone and the repercussions are none They're Yeah. They're null. <laughs> Absolutely no. You know, it, you get it. You just, you brought up the broadhead conversation, right? And I've seen, and we've seen that tribalism through all of it, right? Compounds and trads. I mean, even from camo freaking brands. But oh, yeah. how how easy would it be, right, to have this talk, right? And, and you can learn something from Dan Staten, who's shooting fixed, or, you know, Joe Blow that's shooting a mechanical. I used to shoot mechanicals until I started hunting elk. So now I'm a fixed guy. I'll, I'll never, never shoot a mechanical at an elk. Um, it's just not going to happen. But I can say, hey, Dan, I got this mechanical, man. I've been shooting for years. I've gone through pig shoulders with it. I'm going to give me your address, dude. I'm going to send you one of these and, and just shoot it. Right. Or, you know, and vice versa. That. 
good luck on breeding that culture amongst us, but that's the way it should be. That's how, that's how we should embrace. And maybe not, you know, I understand dude's got, you know, money, blah, 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 but we should be embracing each other in a way that we're finding that middle ground. I can learn something from you. If that's all you're shooting is mechanicals or, or brought or uh, fixed blades or vice versa, instead of just being assholes about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's easy to get caught up, man. I mean, it is, but I've learned through, and I want to thank anyone who watches my YouTube channel. I do read comments. I don't respond to a lot of them, but I always, uh, and if I don't see them, my producer always is like, make sure that I do. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, what we've discovered and uh, debating with awesome hunters on my podcast that, you know, like for example, this just stick with the mechanical versus fixed is like, I know a lot of successful elk hunters that use those and have great success. There are some drawbacks, but there's also drawbacks with a fix and you have to like hear the pro and con of each and then go down your own journey. Yes. And that's the beauty of it, you know, is just kind of tinkering and figuring out what works for you. you. Yep. That's and that's it. it, man. That is that that right there. That right there is the absolute key. What works for you? At uh because you what you shoot Matthews, you're running what, Numa now? Yeah, for camo? Shoot, uh, Yep. Yep. Right. So, you, you know, I, I used to shoot Matthews. I started shooting prime. I run Sitka. You used to, I think you used to run Sitka too. So, yeah. I, you know what I mean? And it, but there's a, there's gotta be a level of respect amongst us, no matter what, man, like you said, right. If, if, if we strip down to the bare necessities of hunting, right. The absolute bare necessities of hunting, we would be butt naked in the woods, God forbid, but we would have our weapon. And that, and that's it. So why the other shit matters so much is, I don't know. This is a rabbit hole for me, man. You, you brought this shit up and it's going to tank me. <laughs> it just, no, it, I feel that. It, it drives me. Message. Yeah. It just drives me crazy because hunting is such, there, there's such value in it. It's such a beautiful pursuit. It's, it's a beautiful lifestyle. The values um, are, are in my opinion, second to none. When you look at any other outdoor activity, nothing nothing can compare right i mean we are in the circle of life we're not spectators to it and and what we get out of that as as people is just phenomenal um it just absolutely phenomenal to me man so i'll get us out of that real quick <laughs> um i was listening i forget who you were talking to son of a gun and I've heard it before and it, you know, it's the must be nice thing. Um, you know, must be nice. You can go to this state, that state, or, you know, have six tags or four tags or whatever it is to chase elk for 30 days. But, but it, you know, and it bothers me when I hear it and it didn't bother me hearing it from you. What, it, what bothers me is when I, when I see it on a post or I hear it and it's like, well, wait a minute, this dude worked his ass off and made decisions to get him to be able to do that. What? You know, the, we're, we as hunters, and I'm a hunter, so I'm in this boat, it is so seductive to be jealous. Like, 
guy, you send me a text and, you know, maybe, maybe I shoot a bull this year and I send it over to you and you're like, nice bull, check out mine. And your bull dwarfs mine. Like the seductive low hanging fruit feeling is like, ah, <laughs> not stoked for you guy. You punk, you just killed one bigger than me. That's machismo. That is ego. That's got to die. Um, when it comes to the must be nice, I think Cameron Haynes coined that phrase, made a shirt about it because him and Joe Rogan were getting called out. They were basically hunting the Deseret in Utah. And dude, I don't even know how much it costs, honestly, to hunt there. At least 20 grand just to get your foot in the door. And they're killing some giants. And then Joe was going somewhere in your state. To Hone Ranch. Yeah. Which one is it called? To Hone Ranch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And killing a giant there. And people were like, you know, Joe, you should probably, like, try public land elk and you might actually um, get tag soup for once and see how really hard it is. All that is is jealousy. And I've felt those feelings, too. Certainly haven't publicized it, but at the end of the day, I try to look back to what I said earlier. How much has Joe Rogan done for hunting as a whole? Hmm. So much more. And here's this is going to blow everyone's mind. Joe, how many millions of dollars did Joe Rogan get just to switch to Spotify? Yeah, craziness. Was it million? I think it was 200, if I remember Whatever. correctly. If you took the percentage of his gross yearly income and what he spends on his all of his hunting gear, tags, everything, relatively speaking, I probably spent a considerable amount more percentage-wise mm-hmm. on my hunts. And, and so people could say, well, must be nice to me, you know? So it does come down to if – the must be nice. The must be nice guys and gals. You need to remember, you're in control of your destiny. You could take that offense to that, or you could be like, like me. I for one don't want to hunt a ranch bull. I get off on killing myself for ten days and shooting a spike bull on day ten or day eleven of a ten day hunt, and having to hike him out ten miles to my truck. I get off on that. So that's, you guys should be like, cool, Dan, you do you. And I just like the harder it is, the better. And the other thing about must be nice is like guys like me, um, dude, I've quit jobs for elk hunting, period. Like I've just set up my life because elk hunting is that far up the priority list. And so before you, from, you know, depending on the lens you're looking at me, you peel back the layers, there's not much going on in my brain besides elk hunting. And <laughs> I've basically set up a life to where I can execute that. And just, it's a truly a passion and addiction to be out in the elk woods. And I'm telling you, man, I've turned down some good jobs for elk hunting and I will continue to do whatever I can to elk hunt as much as possible. I don't know how many Septembers I have in my life and I just can't miss them. Right. So the must be nice thing is, I mean, we can talk, we talked about it. I think people can agree. It's just, you have to look at things from several different lenses before you go right into judgment mode. Mm-hmm. But, and then, then I'll go back to what I said. It's about making decisions though, right? You, you, you know, if it's a, it's a financial thing, like, you know, I was telling you, I, I took the entire month of September off last year, uh, spent 23 days on the mountain and that was a decision. And I, I even got it. I got it. People were like, man, that must be nice. Well, you know what? I've, I've busted my butt 
for 20 some odd years at, you know, at a job. And I, I said, hey, this is what I'm doing next. September. I gave him a year's notice, a year. And yes. this is what I'm doing. Yep. Right. And they looked at me and are you serious? And I go as serious as a heart attack. Right. I'm not. And just like you said, right, and it sounds cliche when we say it as hunters, especially, you know, in the elk woods, I don't know how many Septembers I have left. And I'm not going to look back when I'm 68, 73, whatever it is, and regret not making the decision to buck down on something and just do the damn thing. And, and, you know, for me, I made a decision when when my kids were being, you know, when we were bringing them up that. My hunts were limited. They were both athletes. They played fall sports. I would get, if I was lucky, I would get five days in the woods consecutive. And then it would be bits and pieces of weekends. Uh, it was time to, you know, make the decision. Like my boy said, I'm not playing football anymore. He started college, looked at my wife and I said, it's on. This is what I'm doing. It's a decision thing. You know, don't, don't go spend six, $7 a day eating out. And then complain that the elk tag in Wyoming, you know, I only have three points in Wyoming. Don't complain that you get in on Wyoming three points on a special tag, right? Make the decision to level up and, and make it happen. You know, not all jobs are going to afford people that amount of time off, right? That's that's a given. Some some jobs will tell you folks they're crazy. Then you got a decision to make there. But, you know, it. uh comes down to decision making in my book man i don't know that i'll ever work another september as long as i can keep you know chasing bulls amen i feel that that's me man you know i and and i'm just i'm a a blue collar guy you know what i mean i i have a, a nine to five that that i have to worry about you know in september but i'm gonna do whatever i have to do you know from october to August 31st to make sure that that opportunity exists for myself. Well, I don't have a nine to five, but I have a wife and two kids that yep. I have to worry about. Yep. And that's another thing people will comment about or probably wonder. And that's a huge intentional process of, I stopped shed hunting. It took away from the family. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to spend time away from the family, I'd rather put that towards elk hunting. Yeah. And so making some sacrifice, that's not a huge sacrifice. Um, and as the kids get older, I might actually be able to take all of us out. Am I going to be able to do 20 mile days with kids? No, but you know, it's just, it's not as important to me to do that. And it's important. Like we're going to Mexico in a couple of weeks and my wife won't listen to this podcast. So I can say this safely. I don't really care about going to Mexico. Like that's not, uh, <laughs> I, like, I say the same. I thing. like being in my office, you know, grinding out my business and my time will come to elk hunt and i'm happy man but she wants to go we saved up for it for a couple of years let's go and i'll just leave everything behind and just focus on them mm -hmm. uh same with the summer and the camping trips and then same when it's actually elk hunting season i gotta i actually make the arrangements for childcare and having a nanny and having a nanny come in even on the days that my wife is there so she can get a break from the kids um, I've even done like little gifts, surprise gifts while I'm gone in September. And it's, you know, it's a lot of planning and it's super worth it. She's already in my corner, but I never want her to doubt right. what I, you know, doubt me and what my intentions are and where my priorities are. And so for guys listening, you know, yeah, the job's one thing and get the time off, but it's also your family too. And so that's why we talk a lot about that on my platforms. And, and, and it's, 
about earning those days, right? When it, for me, when it comes to my wife, I, I want to feel like I earned those days away from her. It's different when you're going to work and you're paying bills and, you know, I, I, I want her to be okay with it um, because she, you know, that 23 days, she knows that the other, you know, 340 some odd days that I'm doing what I have to do. That's hugely, hugely important, man. Um, So what about one of my things is time management. We're kind of on this kind of into that topic um, when you talk about it. But did you're, you know, again, trolling and getting ready for this, watching, watching you, um, you're constantly grinded i mean between between the elk collective and elk shape and then just you know the personal life and making everything work for you um a a lot of the things is why you know guys will say and i I was one of them right well i don't have the time to work out like that or i don't have the time for this or i don't have the time for that um how do you manage time on your end to make sure that you're getting everything that you need to get accomplished um down for a you know call it a day or a week how does that go for you yeah um day by day man take it day by day you can't worry about tomorrow take care of itself you only have today so if you're not an early riser you should maybe consider being one because a lot can happen before the sun even comes up Uh, whether it be working on a side hustle you got an idea you got a problem that you think you can fix you got a potential for a business but you got a nine to five then you got to wake up early and work on that uh if you really want to get in shape i like training in the mornings actually that's a lie i don't like training in the mornings but i know the feeling I have when I'm done and it's out of the way and my day really hasn't started. And so I've found some trustworthy peers to meet me at my garage gym. I call it out parking. And so we don't park in that garage. That garage is dedicated to getting ready for elk season, hence the name. And it's stashed full with cool workout gear that I've basically cashed over the years. And, and I got homies showing up Monday through Friday, 6:30 AM sharp. Nice. And so even on the days I really don't feel like doing it, dude, they're showing up. I got to open the gym up. We're going to go train. And so getting it done in the morning is super important for me. And then having some trustworthy peers to where they're counting on me, I'm counting on them. That's just a nice way to approach it. Not everybody has the opportunity to do that. Some people start work super early and then you, so you have to just inverse that or flip that and make that kind of find, find a template that works for you. Eating well is really important in our household. So like making time to make food in advance for the week is a, is a really good tactic to make sure that you're not eating on the go and making poor, easy, convenient decisions that are sabotaging and you're packing on weight that you don't want to lug around in the mountains, things like that. And then making time to shoot the bow is super important for me. And I don't need to shoot a lot of arrows. I just like to get a few reps and try to create that you know, perfect practice and tinker and tinker and tinker. And so my job on socials and stuff is just to literally show what I do a little bit every day and let people know, Hey man, this is kind of the highlight reel. Like I had to, to move some things around to make time to shoot. I had to move some things around to get that workout in, but I got it done. And I think if you just start winning the day every day, it starts to build this like equity 
of mental toughness or mental capacity is what I call it. And so a lot of my hunting prowess probably stems between the ears. I've just done, grinded it out all year and I'm showing up regardless of the circumstance, I'm feeling confident and I'm feeling like I wouldn't want to be an elk today because I'm coming after you. Mm -hmm. And all that basically hinges upon how hard I work in the off season. So do you, do you give yourself milestones as you're going through your off season, you know, routines or regimens? Do you give yourself milestones or are you just, uh, my goal is that to have that bull down and the milestones and everything else are out the window. I think people should do checkpoints for sure. You set the big goal and then you kind of calculate all the small goals that lead up to the big goal. And as long as you're checking boxes along the way, it keeps you motivated and you know that you're moving the needle in the right direction. I always tell people that my only goal is to kill an elk in 2021. I don't have any other goals. That's probably not true. Honestly, we, we, people should know, like I have a goal for my businesses. I have all sorts of small goals throughout, throughout the, you know, checkpoints along the way, if you will. But ultimately I've kind of set my life up to where it's, it's, I'm in a position to just do certain things every day, knowing that that's what it takes to do what I do in the mountains. Um, and so it comes down to, I know I need to shoot at least six arrows a day. Sometimes it's a hundred, sometimes it's only six, but, um, as soon as we're off this podcast, I'll have just enough daylight to go do a shooting session. I've set up an archery range in my backyard out to a hundred. Again, I've set myself up. Like if you don't have that, you'll have to figure something else out. And I didn't always have that. I used to have to drive to the archery range. And so I'd have to budget time to do that. But today I will definitely go shoot after this podcast. And I have a couple different drills and skills I'm going to do out there. And then I'm going to go, today's my scheduled rest day from working out, but I feel fantastic. I'm going to work out today and do a little bit of density training. And I'll, you know, I'm not going to kill myself, but I'm just going to get the heart rate up and do some movements that I really want to do and some injury prevention. And I'm going to eat dinner with the family and I'm going to try to put my phone away while I eat dinner with them and be intentional with them. So it's just kind of like these little checks and balances that I need to do day in and day out. Um, and the style of training I do honestly lends itself to being pretty well-rounded in the mountains. I'm not really a runner. I'm not really uh, a power lifter or a bodybuilder. I kind of blur the distinctions between Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, density or bodybuild training, CrossFit, running, rucking, and I try to sprinkle all those things in week after week. So I'm just constantly enjoying working out that's, you know, different and new and that I'm prepared for a lot of different eventualities and a lot of different energy systems and that I'm sturdy and injury resistant in the mountains. And, and, and doing that, doesn't that, the, you know, the adaptability of your body, right? Your body gets used to that. Don't you see more benefit when you're mixing that training up versus, you know, just going like for me, uh, I, I used to heavy lift and that's all I would do. Um, but then I would, you know, you'd suffer on the mountain cause muscles expensive. Um, but then I would lose certain aspects. Right. Um, so do you find, you know, huge benefit in mixing that up as in terms of, you know, seeing the results, keeping that body guessing. 
yeah, I mean, the premise, so I, full disclosure, I owned a CrossFit gym for 11 years. So obviously I do think that that methodology has a lot of benefits to hunters specifically. Um, I don't think it's the only way, but I do like the premise of constantly shuffling the deck and working in a lot of different types of scenarios so that you, you know, aren't a specialist. I feel like the mountains will punish a specialist and you're absolutely right. Muscle is expensive in the mountains. Um, over the last probably 15 years, I used to probably elk hunt at about 175. And nowadays I don't even, I don't even know how much I weigh, but I bet it's not much more than 150 or 155. And I stay pretty lean and mean year round. And I don't want to, I don't care about how I look per se with my shirt off having really huge round muscle bellies, hypertrophy, but like mm -hmm. aesthetics or not. I enjoy the way I look. Um, I eat right. That's probably why I'm so lean, but that's not my goal. I right. just want to be really good in the mountains. And that's, if that meant doing ballet and yoga and that's what it took, then that's what I would do. Uh, so my end goal is just to be, I just want to elk hunt as hard as I do now, the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And for me, the way I elk hunt is the mantra, the only easy day was yesterday. It doesn't matter if you did 16 miles day before, got back to camp late, didn't get your dinner and your pack ready for the next day and got four hours of sleep. Every day is a new day. You have to give it 100%. And the day yesterday doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's in the past. And so the only easy day was yesterday. So that style of elk hunting, I've found CrossFit style of training to be the best for me. Heck yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to rewind us. Actually, no, I'm not going to rewind us. Cause I think we, we kind of hit the nail on the, uh, on that bullet. And I was going to talk about the instant gratification, but I think we already kind of talked about the delayed gratification. And that's one of the things I enjoy hearing you talk about. Um, because you can, I can hear how passionate you are about that end result, man. And it's just, it, it's a cool thing. So I'm not going to even go there and grind on anybody. Um, so what uh, what you got coming up, man, for uh, 2021? What's your plans in the Oakwoods? Well, those plans are not known yet. I do have an Idaho tag and for archery. So I did get one of those. The Wyoming draw is coming up here mm. February. I think it closes, what, February 1st or something? Yeah, I think it's the 1st. Uh, so I haven't decided there, but we'll see. I think we have the Arizona draw. That's February 9th deadline. Um, I haven't decided there. I do have a lot of, you know, I have a handful of points in Arizona. Um, Utah, I'm kind of in point purgatory. I don't really want to open counter <laughs> or general tag in Utah. I kind of want to limit those limited entry ones. And I have probably 13 points for Utah. I just don't think I'm there yet. So I just got to keep waiting for people to draw and or people to die. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. And then, you know, New Mexico has got a great system where it's truly a lottery, but I've just been sucking at the lottery. Haven't had a New Mexico tag since 2007. Um, so that's always an option. Montana's always an option. So I don't know where, what I just hope to have at least two tags out of state and I can always hunt my home state, which I rarely do, but I, I, don't, I certainly would if I didn't have enough tags. Um, 
And then if, you know, I don't get what I want tag wise, I'm going to find, you know, people to take. I got a nephew that's 14. I'd like to take him. Uh, and then I got the guys at my Oak shape, you know, my Oak shape squad where they're going. I could always run a camera and film them. I just want to be a part of elk hunting. Right. I just want to hear bugles, chase bugles and be out there and get through draw season with hopefully a little luck. What's your points look like in while? Oh, zero, bro. Oh, no way. I, uh, <laughs> I burned them two years ago and had a great hunt. I think I killed on day two. And then last year I, I drew with zero, which really, I don't know how that happened. I just got lucky. And so I got my Wyoming bull. And then this year with zero points, I'm probably just not, I'm probably not going to put in. I'll probably just buy a point. Right. Yeah. Wild has that, that rule where, uh, if you're, you're there that year, you can't buy a point for the following. It kind of, kind of hurts a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, aren't you going hurts. in with zero? I, no, I went in my my first year. I went in with zero, and so I'm up to two points now. Um, which you know, on hate even talking about the special tag, but on the special tag in in a lot of those uh, type ones, that special tag with two is is just about a hundred percent. So that's an expensive elk tag, man. Thirteen hundred dollars for an elk tag in a general area. I tell you um, what, <laughs> you have to weigh it out. You got to weigh it out for those listening, like. Yeah, and I walk around with a thirteen hundred dollar tag. You know, like um, my home state is, you know, probably fifty bucks for a tag. Idaho raised it up to six hundred. Um, Montana's close to nine hundred, or is nine hundred. Uh, Utah is pretty cheap for a regular over the counter non resident. Um, so you just have to kind of weigh out the price points. Um, Wyoming's the most expensive. Oh yeah, that tag. If what you're talking about, that is the most expensive tag unless you draw Nevada. Yeah. And, and for me with that while, you know, special, I have a vendetta <laughs> and I can't wait. I can't wait another year. I got to get back, man. I got to get on. back and, and, you know, right that wrong. If you will, it drives me nuts. I feel that. So, yeah. so man, uh, drop a little bit about, uh, about the L collective, man. I just started going through the series there. Um, digging it thus far, man, the, the video platform and being able to consume that on the go, um has been uh has been awesome man well i appreciate that that's honestly why we made it we realized there was not a lot of resources out there that taught actual elk hunting a to z in a platform that was video driven or audio driven so you could do other things you know or pretend to be at your job and then like listen to the elk collective while you're working (laughs) on spreadsheets or whatever but we we know the addiction so yeah man like john gabriel and myself created the elk collective we had help from jason and phelps and dirk durham and basically we just sat down and said okay look this is kind of a passion project this isn't going to be like this is not a retirement ticket this isn't a money scheme this is just a passion project let's put this out together um, and so we just decided to call it the Elk Collective because we knew we weren't going to have just me up there talking about the way I do it. We were going to go reach out to our vast network of elk hunting friends and peers and get them to come on and share how they get it done. Maybe in Wyoming with a type one tag and a rifle in their hand, or maybe in Colorado, third week, September with a muzzy in their hand, or maybe in New Mexico in a unit that just doesn't have much water or cover or in a North Idaho, like I know where it's just brush country and steep and thick. Like, so elk are very much the same, 
but they're also very, very much different. Yeah. different based on topography and the country you're hunting in. And so we've created a platform where people could learn how to elk hunt, how to scout, how to allocate tags, how to e-scout, how to play the draw. And then once they get tags, how to make elk sounds, what do elk sounds mean, what gear to take. And we just kind of try to stay in our lanes. So obviously I've covered a ton of nutrition and fitness in, in the elk collective and a lot of solo elk hunting tactics because that's what I do. But Dirk and Jason, they cover a lot of how to make elk, elk vocalizations and how to do partner setups. Uh, we got Chris Rowe on there teaching elk biology because he's an elk biologist. You got Brian Barney teaching spot and stock tactics. Um, you got Zach Bowie teaching decoying. And then the sky's the limit. We're just going to keep adding content, you know, throughout the thing. So it's living and breathing. And then the last thing we did was we just decided to do, actually, this is going on right now. So depending on when this drops, we have this 10 week do it yourself kit that we're, we're giving away at the Elk Collective. So um, check it out. It's at theelkcollective.com. But the bottom line is, is the, we're giving away a ton of prizes each week, like legit prizes from kill kits to trail cameras to gosh uh we got scopes and range finders but we're giving away an over-the-counter elk tag we're going to buy your elk over-the-counter elk tag as the grand prize and if someone already bought their tag we'll just reimburse them we're giving away a brand new PSE bow and we're giving away a brand new kufaru uh reckoning bag and frame plus all the weekly giveaways and once so we're just basically rewarding people for signing up for the elk collective well, we changed the price, made it cheaper, and we basically made it so anyone already signed up for the Elk Collective is entered to win those grand prizes as well. So super stoked to give away other people's gear. And <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that, man. <laughs> One of my favorite things, so. Yeah, no, it's a, like I said, man, I, you know, I think I signed up maybe earlier this week or last weekend or something like that. And just when I'm on the road, I've been, you know, listening to it and man, it's some, uh, I stay, so I'm, I'm going through, I've gone through a couple and I just, you know, that constant consumption of, of elk info. And so there's probably a couple things that I may have skipped, but I always find, you know, just getting those little, those little tidbits, even in that, you know, that first video is like, ah, I didn't, you know, I didn't think of that, but the way you guys laid it down, man, it's, uh, it's very easy to listen to for four or five freaking hours. Um, but it's some, some good, some good, good nuggets in there, man, thus far. So right on, man. Well, hopefully we keep adding to that library to where we're in the thousands of videos, but it's just, so we set it up to where maybe a video a day or a couple a week and then kind of have like a notebook mm -hmm. and just jot down your notes. And then six months goes by, you know, you're really starting to expand your knowledge. Um, and I think this is the time of year to really get in on the calling stuff and start practicing, get that diaphragm read in your truck and, you know, watch Dirk, how he makes a grunt versus a chuckle versus a bark bugle versus just a bark be able to do all the sounds. You're not going to sound as good as dirt. Trust me, I've tried. Um, but just to be able to work on calling now in your truck, because you certainly don't want to work on it at home with your wife. She'll, you'll drive her crazy. So <laughs> just the little things like that. And then the e-scouting stuff that we do. I mean, there's a the nuts and bolts of e-scouting is what we made sure to cover. And I do want to say people think I work out and shoot my bow a lot, and I do. But both those combined don't compare to how much I e-scout. 
and that's just a little hint to to what you know you really ought to be spending your time doing wow that yeah that's that's a bit that's a pearl right there buddy so i'm gonna hit you with one last question and then i'll let you get back to life um so we talk about calling and shooting our bows and and I have my own theories on on setting a goal for proficiency, right? Or, or where I want to be before season. When's not to say stop learning, when's the cutoff? Here's the deadline. You should be, you know, if your goal was to shoot 80 yards and shooting three inch groups or, you know, understanding X, Y, and Z of the language, when's the cutoff before season? Yes. Dang. That's kind of a tricky question. I would say when it comes to just physical fitness and stuff like that, I don't ramp up for elk season, but I do sprinkle in a little bit more specificity. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be more backpack training in July, August than there was say February, 2021. That's a given. And I'm not going to go out today and shoot with a backpack on, but I will have my bino harness on. I'm not going to put the boots and the backpack on till summer. I'm not going to screw the broadheads on till probably for most people, I would say like June, July would be a good time to start getting cameras out. If you live near the elk woods and to start screwing on broadheads and getting, you know, the fine tuning, and I just want you to, I want you to coast into elk season. I don't want you to rush into elk season. Right. I want you to just be working on a couple things every day. So you don't end up the day before you're set out to leave, getting your bow out of the case and trying to figure out broadheads and trying to find your gear and trying to go test new gear while hunting. Like none of that makes sense. Hence I've like say on every podcast I've ever done, separation in the preparation. preparation so just free like, take it as a, like a couple things every day really add up if you start now don't wait till the last minute um and just don't i don't know i just don't have a finish line have a trajectory right and just your trajectory involves doing the little things every day something and it really starts to stack up. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And, and for like I said, I have my own opinion of it. For me, right, August, August, and I'm not saying stop learning or stop shooting or stop working out, but the beginning of August, I want to be, if, I, if someone said, hey, you got an elk on August 3rd, I want to know that when August 1st hits that boom, I, I can go on that elk hunt. Right. I don't, right. I don't want to be in August. And, and like you're saying, worried about those worried about peeling back onion layers in August. I, I don't feel like it's enough time um, to, to put that best foot forward. Right. And the best foot forward started, you know, when you got home in September, for a lot of people, it started January 1st. Unfortunately, you lost a little bit of time. But, man, August 1st comes, dude. I want to be dialed. I want to know that the only thing between me and killing an elk is the lack of being an elk killer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm in a different position when it comes to, like, I've kind of, again, looking back, I set things up for elk hunting. So... I don't turkey hunt. I got nothing against it. I've done it a lot, but I don't do it anymore. I'm spring bear hunting. It's a huge advantage for me. I'm in the mountains in the spring, dealing with mountain thermals, 
watching the mountains come alive and watching bears and trying to spot and stalk bears with a backpack, doing backcountry stuff, testing gear, and shooting a fixed broadhead at a big game animal. Dude, that's to me like bear hunting for me, spring bear is like, those are testing grounds. Mm-hmm. That's where we create our baseline. That's where we come back from bear hunting and go back to the lab with okie dokie. Up it here. Here's here's what we need to focus on leading up to elk season and we go execute. Mm-hmm. That's it, man. We'll leave them with that. Drop a, drop where they can find you. Um, elk Shape, Elk Collective, etc. man. Yep, just put an at in front of Elk Shape and go to wherever. That's where we're at. And we appreciate everybody the support uh, going up to this. And most importantly, appreciate you guys taking time to just talk and get to know you. I love podcasts. It's just like making a new friend every yeah, time. I love it, man. It's a, it's a, it's a, the virtual campfire, if you will. It sounds cliche as hell, but man, it, uh, I zone out when I get into this little room of mine. That's cool. All right, brother. Well, I'll let you back to it, man. I know you're busy. Again, I appreciate the uh, the time and opportunity to sit down with you, man. And best of luck to you um, this season, brother. Likewise, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts, and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to valleytopeaknutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. Sign up for Mountain Hunter Box on our partners page. Mountain Hunter Box is a monthly subscription box for backcountry hunters. Receive quality hunting gear and camping gear at your doorstep every month. You can select the species you want to hunt and the method of take with three, six, and 12-month subscription options. Use Western Contours at checkout.